What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Between the shadows of reality and the fringe of our own fears lurks a world of monsters. Strange creatures and frightening phantoms who test the very boundaries of our science and superstition. It's a realm of mystery and legend, a place of fact and fear. This is Monstro Bizarro. In the summer of 1988, reports of a scaly humanoid creature known as the Lizard Man began to pour out of the murky swamplands surrounding the small town of Bishopville, South Carolina. As residents came forward telling of their frightening encounters with the alleged creature, the media was quick to publicize the case. The local sheriff's office also got involved believing there could be something dangerous lurking in the area of Skapor Swamp on the outskirts of town. A full-scale police investigation was launched, making it one of the most documented and bizarre monster mystery cases in modern history. What was this humanoid thing lurking in the wilds of South Carolina? Find out on this episode of Monstro Bizarro. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Lyle Blackburn, and on this episode, we'll wade into the murky mire of Skapor Swamp, where tales of a terrifying lizard man first shocked the public in June of 1988, when a teenager claimed it attacked him. In the months and years that followed, the infamous creature was reported by other credible witnesses and thoroughly investigated by Lee County Sheriff Liston Truesdale. This real-life creature from the Black Lagoon, so to speak, inspired major national news coverage as the world clamored to know more about Bishopville's elusive monster. It's a strange story and one that I have investigated firsthand. So without further ado, let's gear up and enter the murky realm of Bishopville. The story of the Lizard Man started quietly on July 14, 1988. That morning, officials at the Lee County Sheriff's Office had been called to the scene of a rather strange incident in which a car appeared to have been mauled by an animal. The vehicle had extensive damage to the molding, sidewalls, hood, and engine wiring. It would have seemed like the work of a vandal, but bite marks, hair, and footprints found on and around the car led the owners to believe an animal might have been responsible. They lived on the edge of Skapor Swamp, so it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for wild animals to be around their home. But what kind of animal would and could damage a car so extensively? They hoped the police could offer some answers. Officials on the scene included Lee County Sheriff Liston Truesdale and a biologist from South Carolina's Wildlife Department. The biologists examined the hair fibers and surmised they could belong to a red fox, although he could not explain how a small canid would be able to cause such damage. 
He also examined the footprints left by the animal or animals and concluded most of them had been left by a fox. However, several larger tracks were found approximately 25 yards from the car headed towards the swamp. These appeared to be from a large biped or a quadruped, possibly a bear, although the tracks were aligned in a straight procession typical of human steps. Had a fox, bear, and or some other type of animal damaged the car, perhaps while fighting another animal? It was altogether strange. During the investigation, a growing number of onlookers had gathered at the scene. Many of them were neighbors, but others were curious individuals and reporters who had heard the strange dispatch call on their police scanners. Sheriff Truesdale was trying to disperse the crowd and finish his investigation when some of the locals began to speak of an even more bizarre possibility. They suggested it could be something they called the Lizard Man. Several years ago, myself and my research partner Cindy Lee made our way to Bishopville to investigate the case. We spent about a week interviewing locals, including retired Sheriff Liston Truesdale. He has since passed away, but his thoughts have been preserved on tape. The quotes that follow are from Truesdale himself during our lengthy interviews. While we was there, we was looking over this situation here. We learned that people in that community, and this is in the Browntown community, had been seeing a strange creature. Um, about seven feet tall with um, big red eyes. And so naturally we pulled off of it and off of this and started looking for a seven foot creature with big red eyes. And, and some of them described it was some green, but some of them right. Yeah, they came up to the house where we were, to this house. What you looking at? And that's when they told you about the creature. So we immediately started uh, trying to find out anybody that had seen um, the uh, such a creature. So we we started looking for anybody that, uh, and we was getting the names of the people that saw something, and incidentally, nobody had reported this creature and that was the first time we learned and um, I saw one guy out there and I, was, I said JJ have you um, seen anything about a creature with possibly green with big red eyes big red eyes stood out mm-hmm. and um, he said what you mean that lizard man That's how it started. Cruisdale and his deputies were taken aback. Were the people suggesting some kind of monster was on the loose? It seemed completely far-fetched, but the seriousness in which the locals told the story compelled the lawmen to ask more questions. The officers were given the names of several people, one of whom had supposedly encountered the creature near the Scapor Swamp Bridge. The Lizard Man. It was a name that would soon be known far beyond Bishopville, compliments of a reporter who was present during the police investigation. 
The following day, she publicized an article in South Carolina's largest newspaper, The State, detailing the strange incident. Soon, everyone was talking about the Lizard Man of Skateboard Swamp. It was the launch of a modern legend and the beginning of a long, strange ride for Truesdale and the small community of Bishopville. On the afternoon of July 16th, Sheriff Truesdale was sipping a glass of sweet tea and catching up on some paperwork when local resident Tommy Davis and his 17-year-old son Christopher came into the station. Mr. Davis had read the article about the damaged vehicle in the newspaper and thought the sheriff should be made aware of an incident Christopher had experienced two weeks earlier. He felt it might be related. Truesdale invited them into his office and listened closely as Chris laid out the most bizarre story the lawman had ever heard. According to the young man, on June 29th, after working the late shift at a fast food restaurant in Bishopville, he was driving home through Skateboard Swamp at about 2.30 a.m. when one of his tires blew out. He was near the Skateboard Bridge, essentially in the middle of nowhere, so he had no choice but to pull over and change it. The swamp was dark and a creepy place at night, and he did not have a flashlight, but there was enough moonlight to get the job done. Davis said he swapped the tire as quickly as he could and gathered up his tools. As he was placing them in the back of the trunk, something caught his eye about 30 yards away. It was moving toward him, fast. At first, he thought it might be a person, which was scary enough, but then realized it was something far more frightening. It appeared to be some kind of large humanoid thing with glowing red eyes. It was greenish in color and stood about seven feet tall. It had three long fingers on each hand. Davis ran to the driver's side of the car and got in. The thing was so close now he could see it from the neck down outside the driver's side window. Chris turned the key and started the car. At that point, the thing let out a deep grunt and jumped on the roof of the vehicle. Chris said he got a good look at its hands at that point. They were rough-looking, black fingernailed hands hanging down in front of the windshield. Davis stomped the gas pedal. When the vehicle moved forward, the thing fell off. However, it quickly got up and began chasing the car. Davis estimated he was going at least 35 miles per hour when the creature caught up and attempted to leap on the roof again. The young man was in fear for his life. He began to swerve back and forth, trying to dislodge the assailant. He never saw it fall off, but the swerving must have worked because the creature was no longer clawing and banging on the roof. At that point, Davis held the accelerator down and sped for home. When he pulled into the driveway, Davis jumped out and ran into the house. He was so upset and frightened, he began crying when he saw his father. After Chris calmed down and explained the horrifying incident, Mr. Davis went outside to inspect the car. The driver's side mirror was bent and twisted, and there were scratches on the roof as if something had been trying to claw its way on top. It seemed quite unbelievable, but Mr. Davis was certain his son was not making up the story. The car damage, along with Chris's state of shock, 
seemed to confirm it. Given the nature of the incident, Mr. Davis felt it was best to keep the details to themselves for the time being. Even though his son would simply be telling the truth, he feared it might result in unwanted ridicule. It wasn't until he saw the article in the state newspaper a few weeks later that he thought someone might take his son seriously. Chris and his father attested to the fact that Chris had not been drinking that night. After all, he had just come from work. Chris told Sheriff Truesdale he'd heard stories about some kind of, quote, weird creature going back at least two years, but he never thought too much about it. He never claimed it was a, quote, lizard man, only that it was strange, frightening, and like nothing he'd ever seen before. After having Davis recount his story a second time on tape, which Truesdale noted was exactly the same as the first time, the sheriff asked the teenager to sketch what he'd seen. Davis proceeded to make a crude drawing of the alleged creature on a piece of notebook paper. The drawing lacked any sort of artistic flair, but clearly showed an upright, humanoid figure with three prominent fingers on each hand. The fact that Chris came across as genuine and truthful during the interview made the whole thing hard to dismiss. Truesdale still wasn't convinced a reptilian humanoid was on the loose. However, his gut told him the young man had truly seen something unexplainable that night. The question was, what was it? The idea that Scapor Swamp could be hiding some sort of bizarre reptilian creature seemed outrageous, yet given the location it did not seem completely impossible. Scapor is a murky blackwater swamp that occupies nearly 180,000 acres in the Congaree Sandhills and upper coastal plain regions of South Carolina. Its main tributary, a sluggish stream of brackish water, originates in the northwest corner of Lee County and flows southward past Bishopville, eventually crossing into the neighboring county of Sumter before it joins the Black River some 16 miles down. As the basin meanders through the countryside, thick canopies of southern pine, cottonwood, maple, black gum, and oak populate its hill slopes and upland areas. Down in the floodplains, lowland hardwoods crowd the waters with an assortment of bald cypress, swamp tupelo, and water oak. This rich and diverse topography of the basin can be strikingly beautiful, while at the same time dark and very dangerous. With rumors of the Lizard Man already simmering, it wasn't long before the press found out about Davis's alleged attack. Soon, newspapers were publishing the sensational details of the teenager's claim, often including an interview with Davis himself. Radio stations also began broadcasting the news and offering monetary rewards to anyone who could bring in the so-called Lizard Man alive or dead. Carloads of curious sightseers and would-be hunters jammed the roads around Scapor Swamp, trying to get a glimpse of the creature, or worse, plunging into the dangerous swamp with rifles. Reporters, television crews, and photographers also began frequenting the area in growing numbers as they fished for information from the locals and shot rolls of film to accompany their articles and features. 
The news coverage for such a story was unprecedented. monster, champ, and Bigfoot, and suddenly there's another creature to contend with. He comes from the swamps of South Carolina, and he has the whole state in an uproar. Bishopville, South Carolina. Just weeks ago, this was a sleepy southern community nestled near an obscure swamp some 100 miles south of Charlotte. But the lizard man has changed all that. It's something down there, nobody know where it is. So exactly who or what is this alleged lizard man? Well, it seems that his story started early one morning when Christopher Davis was changing a flat tire on a dirt road. Suddenly a beastie-type creature ran out from the swamp, and according to Davis, chased him in his car at a speed of 40 miles per hour. Since then, there have been numerous sightings, and the normally sedate Bishopville has been swamped by creature hunters from all over. Back at the police station, Truesdale and his deputies were busy dealing with the influx of calls coming in from both the press and concerned citizens alike. The lizard man phenomenon was barely a week old, and it was already getting out of hand. But this was only the beginning. Around 2 a.m. on July 24th, two teenagers rushed into the Lee County Sheriff's Office and asked to speak with an officer. The two teens, Rodney Knopf and Shane Stokes, said they were driving with their girlfriends along Highway 15 when something darted across the road in front of them. It appeared to be a large, muscular animal that moved on two legs. They only saw the thing for a few seconds before it jumped a fence and disappeared into the woods. A few hours later, Deputy Atkinson received another strange report. This time, it was a call from a resident near Skapor Swamp who said she heard some sort of unusual howls coming from the woods. The office wouldn't normally have paid much attention to a report like this, but given the lizard man situation and the earlier sighting, Atkinson thought it might be a good idea to have a look around. The deputy grabbed State Trooper Mike Hodge, and they both drove to the area. As they were patrolling, they discovered a line of monstrous-looking tracks along an unpaved road near the swamp. The impressions showed what appeared to be a large oval palm pad, a prominent heel, and three claw-like toes that had sunk to a depth of nearly one and a half inches. From toe to heel, the prints measured 14 inches in length, and at the widest portion, seven inches across. The stride was astounding, measuring over three feet per step. The officers were too spooked to follow the tracks into the swamp at night, so the following day they returned to the scene with Sheriff Truesdale. After examining the trackway, which extended hundreds of yards down the road before veering back into the thick brush, the sheriff wasn't sure what to think. The three clawed footprints almost seemed too convenient and too monstrous, but the lawman could find no evidence of any shoe prints or machinery marks that would have instantly exposed a hoax. Three state wildlife officers eventually joined police at the scene. Upon initial examination of the tracks, the officers did not think they could be from a real animal, but nonetheless agreed to have their bloodhounds search the area for more evidence. The hounds, however, had a hard time locking onto a scent, 
and when a sudden rainstorm moved in, the search was abandoned. Fortunately, the deputies had been able to extract five track castings before the downpour, so at least they had some physical evidence, even if the tracks turned out to be fakes. The next eyewitness report came from a 31-year-old construction worker by the name of George Holloman. In an official statement taken by Truesdale, Holloman explained how he'd been frightened by some kind of creature near the Skateboar Bridge approximately 10 months earlier. It was early October and he was riding his bicycle on the quiet back roads around Skateboar Swamp. Around midnight, he pedaled over to the south side of the Skateboar Bridge where a natural artesian well flows from a small pipe. He parked his bike and took a long drink of the cool water. It was a pleasant moonlit evening, so Holloman was in no hurry. He got a second drink and then lit up a cigarette. As he stood there smoking, he gazed across the road toward the other side of the swamp. Something caught his eye. According to the official police report, quote, he saw what he thought was a dead tree that lightning had struck. However, he soon realized it wasn't a tree when the dark shape stood up like a man. It was seven to eight feet tall, black in color, and possibly covered in hair. Holloman dropped his cigarette and stood motionless as he watched the thing. The thing seemed to be looking right back at him. Holloman said he could feel the hair stand up on the back of his neck. The creature, or whatever it was, continued to look at Holloman until the sound of an approaching car broke the silence. As the car passed by, its headlights reflected in the creature's eyes, causing them to glow red. Presumably startled by the car, the creature suddenly retreated into the pitch-black swamp and disappeared from sight. Holloman jumped on his bike and pedaled away as fast as he could. He had not been drinking, and he was certainly not hallucinating. Whatever he had encountered there, he believed it was flesh and blood. Not long after Holloman came forward, Truesdale located another resident by the name of George Plyler, who had also seen something out of the ordinary. Like Holloman, Plyler had never told anyone outside of a few friends, but he was willing to tell Truesdale if he really wanted to know. In an official police statement, which I have a copy of, Plyler estimated the incident occurred in the spring of 1986, a couple of years earlier. That day, just after sunup, he and a few other men were working near his home on Springvale Road. I had three workmen putting in a hog pen in the swamp in quicksand that came up to your knees. We had gotten out to the middle when I felt the hairs on the back of my neck raise up like someone was watching me. I turned around and I thought it was a deer glancing out around the tree. But it wasn't a deer. Its face was shaped like a human's. Its eyes were red around the pupils and its arms hung like an ape's. After a few seconds, it took off running on two legs. Its features were more like a human than any animal I've ever seen. The arms were a little bit longer than a normal human's arms and the legs were long and skinny. It had a body maybe similar to a lizard except for the head and it didn't have a tail or anything like that. After the creature disappeared into the murky swamp, Plyler glanced over at the other men. 
They were still working, apparently oblivious to the whole incident. Plyler thought for a moment and decided to keep it that way. He needed the job to be done, and he didn't want to scare them away. At the time, Plyler was working in the swamp. Nobody had been exposed to the news of a fantastical lizard man. What he saw was simply a very weird creature that defied rational explanation. The creepy incident was further underscored when he later examined the area where the creature had been standing. There he found, quote, three-pronged tracks in the soft mud. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. A short time after Plyler gave his statement to Truesdale, a local crop duster by the name of Frank Mitchell decided it was time to tell his own story. Like the other men, he had seen something he could not explain but had thus far kept it quiet. The incident had occurred around May 1988, about a month before Chris Davis was attacked. At the time, Mitchell owned a large stretch of property near Scapore Swamp, complete with an airplane hangar and a runway. One morning, he taxied his plane to the runway and set off down the 3,000-foot grassy strip, which cut a straight path through the surrounding woods. During our investigation, Cindy and I interviewed Mitchell at his home. He told us he was headed out to do some crop dusting that day in his plane. When he got to the end of the runway and lifted the plane into the air, he saw a humanoid thing come out from the woods and walk on two legs across the open field. It didn't run, he told us, but had kind of a lope in its walk as it came across the runway and looked up at the airplane. As the aircraft lifted into the air, Mitchell struggled to get a better look at the strange creature. I couldn't tell if it was scaly or hairy, but it was a grayish-brown thing with a face like a monkey, he told us. When I got in the air, I made as quick a turn as possible, but by the time I got turned around, it was gone. The thing moved across the open grass and disappeared into the thick trees on the other side of the runway. Mitchell went ahead with his aerial applications that day, wondering all the while what it was he had seen. Since this occurred before he had any knowledge of the lizard man, it was something he could not quite understand, so, like others, he felt it would be best to keep the sighting to himself. As the summer of 1988 continued, other bizarre incidents and reports kept the news reporters and police very busy. In one case, Kenneth Orr, an airman from the nearby Shaw Air Force Base, claimed he had shot and wounded the lizard man as it ran in front of his car. He offered, quote, proof in the way of some blood-covered fish scales. Truesdale did not buy it and promptly charged Orr with a misdemeanor weapons offense. On August 26th, Colonel Robert Cooper a high-ranking official in the Army Corps of Engineers, was driving along a road south of Bishopville after dark when he saw what he believed was the Lizard Man. As he rounded a curve, it ran across the road in full view of his headlights. He described it as being a large, brownish creature, about eight feet tall, with a tail that did not quite reach the ground. 
Colonel Cooper had never put stock in the Lizardman stories, but the incident made him change his mind, enough that he was willing to file a report with the sheriff's office as long as his name be kept from public record. Others in the community were not so convinced. Rumors swirled that the lizard man was actually a farmer by the name of Lucius Brother Elmore, who had dressed up in a burlap sack to scare Christopher Davis away from his butterbean shed, which was located near Scapor Swamp. Elmore never went on record himself, but it was a story that stuck, even though it seems unlikely the farmer could have been responsible for the total sum of sightings, which stretched from at least 1986 to 1988 at that point. As the summer of 88 came to a close, Bishopville's lizard mania, if you will, calmed as the sighting reports diminished. However, this would only be a short respite in terms of Scapor's long-standing legendary monster tale. In many of these cryptid cases, we find Native American legends that speak of a similar creature. And sure enough, in this case, there are some tales with eerie similarities. During my research, I came across information that the Cherokee and Alabama tribes, who were indigenous to the area, both had stories of lizard-like men. These beliefs were recorded by the Spanish explorer and slave trader, Lucas Vazquez, who ventured into the Carolinas in 1521. He and a partner landed at the Pedee River, where they promptly kidnapped 70 natives. One of these people, given the name Francisco de Chicora, provided some information about his province, Chicora. Chicora's information was included in John R. Swanton's book, Early History of the Creek Indians and Their Neighbors, 1922. He writes, There is another country called Inzignanon, whose inhabitants declared that, according to the tradition of their ancestors, there once arrived amongst them men with tails a meter long and as thick as a man's arm. The tail was not movable like those of the quadrupeds, but formed one mass as we see is the case with fish and crocodiles, and was as hard as a bone. When these men wished to sit down, they had to consequently have a seat with an open bottom, and if there was none, they had to dig a hole more than a cubit deep to hold their tails and allow them to rest. Their fingers were as long as they were broad, and their skin was rough, almost scaly. They ate nothing but raw fish, and when the fish gave out, they all perished, leaving no descendants. These strange men, who were also called sharp tails in various native myths, were said to have possibly come from the sea. They were never directly compared to lizards, but their characteristic tail and scaly skin certainly brings to mind such a comparison. Given the limited writings, it's hard to determine whether these so-called men truly existed outside the realms of myth, or even where Inzignanin was actually located. But it's certainly remarkable that natives were reporting scaly humanoids in the South Carolina area nearly 500 years before modern sightings of the Lizard Man. Sightings of Bishopville's now-famous Lizard Man declined as the summer of 1988 changed to fall, but no one could forget the strangeness of the whole affair, least of all Sheriff Truesdale. In the months and years to follow, the sheriff continued to take witness statements and follow up on any credible sightings that came his way. One of the most significant of the post-1988 incidents 
was reported by the Blythers family, whom had lived in the area for many years. According to Bertha Blythers, she and her five children had just left a restaurant in Bishopville and were driving back to their home in Camden on the night of July 30, 1990. Her children included Johnny, 18, Tamisia, 11, Kristen, 5, and two twin boys, age 4. As they traveled towards Camden, they took the familiar route along Browntown Road heading west through Skateboard Swamp. At approximately 10.30 p.m., they crossed over the interstate and were nearing the intersection of Hickory Hill Road when suddenly a large figure appeared out of nowhere and lunged towards the passenger side of the car. Bertha's oldest daughter, Tamisia, was sitting in the passenger seat with the window rolled down. When she saw the creature, she screamed. Fearing for her daughter's safety, Bertha swerved away from it. In her actual police statement, Bertha wrote, I was looking straight ahead, going about 25 miles per hour, and I saw this big brown thing. It jumped up at the window. I quickly sped up and went on the other side of the road to keep him from dragging my 11-year-old girl out of the car. Once they passed the thing, Bertha slowed down long enough for her son Johnny to look back. The bulky figure could be seen loping across the road. It walked on two legs, like a human, but was slightly hunched over and much, much larger. Johnny could only see it for a few seconds before it disappeared into the darkness. Bertha did not have time to take a second look herself. She was too busy trying to calm Tamisia, who was sobbing uncontrollably. In an official statement given to the Lee County Sheriff's Office, Bertha described the creature as being tall, wide, and having two arms like a human. She could only see it from the waist up, but there was no question that it was big. She was not able to make out any clear facial details in the short time it was in front of her, but she was quite sure the body was covered in brownish hair. Quote, I never seen anything like it before. It wasn't a deer or a bear. It was definitely not a person either. Johnny agreed. In his own statement to police, he described the creature as being six feet tall or more, covered in brown hair and having two big eyes. After the Blythers arrived safely at their home, Bertha called the police. Deputy Ed Corey from the Lee County Sheriff's Office was immediately dispatched to the scene. It had been a while since one of Truesdale's men had responded to a monster report, but it all came back quickly enough. The officer searched the area with a flashlight, but was unable to find any trace of the creature. Whatever had frightened the Blythers had simply vanished without a trace. The following day, Bertha, Johnny, and Tamisia came to the sheriff's office where they gave statements to Sheriff Truesdale. As with any proper investigation, the witnesses were interviewed separately so their stories could be compared for inconsistencies. After each one had told their side of what had happened, Truesdale could find no reason to doubt them. None of them wanted anything to do with television or newspaper interviews. They only wanted to tell the truth about what they had seen. As in the Davis case, Truesdale could not be sure what the witnesses actually saw but he had no doubt they had seen something. And it was something that would haunt Truesdale for the rest of his life. After years of follow-up and investigation, 
he could neither prove nor disprove the reality of the legendary lizard man. Since his passing on August 7, 2015, the case still stands as one of America's swampiest unsolved mysteries. I was fortunate to have spent time with Truesdale. He provided so much insight into the case and also allowed me access to all the files and photos the sheriff's office had on the case. Sporadic rumors of sightings have continued over the years, but nothing can compare to that summer of 1988 when lizard mania was at its peak. It was a unique time when a modern monster literally commanded the headlines and airwaves across the United States and beyond. That sound means it's time to answer some listener mail. I have a question here from listener Chris Curran. Chris writes, I was curious about the descriptions of the Lake Worth monster as both hairy and scaly. That got me wondering if they could be seeing a Bigfoot-type cryptid that was infected with mange. Animals with mange can have large patches of thick, hairless skin... Could that also account for some of the other reports of the more reptilian-looking cryptids like the Lizard Man of Skapor Swamp? That's a good question and one that certainly applies here as we examine the possibilities of the Bishopville Lizard Man. Chris is referring back to the episode where I discussed the Lake Worth monster of Texas. If a creature, such as a Bigfoot, that is normally hairy, contracted the condition known as Scarcoptic Mange, it could definitely lose its hair and its skin may appear dry and scaly. Some researchers have theorized that the lizard man could have actually been a Bigfoot with a skin condition, or a Bigfoot that was simply wet and covered in algae, or even a human with the skin condition known as ichthyosis, which makes the skin look scaly. It's much harder to rationalize a reptilian humanoid than a man-like ape, so naturally these kind of theories have been proposed. But explaining one cryptid with another is troublesome because Bigfoot itself is unproven. It's possible that the Lizard Man was a Bigfoot with a skin condition. After all, some of the witnesses described it as looking ape-like or as having brownish fur on its body. But that doesn't account for the three-fingered hands and greenish skin that some of the witnesses described. Other theories that have been proposed to explain the Lizard Man, aside from it being simply an undocumented creature, include mistaken identity, an evolved species of dinosaur, a member of a subterranean race of reptoids, an extraterrestrial, or a flat-out hoax. In terms of the evolved dinosaur theory, it may be hard to imagine a dinosaur with such an anthropomorphic a.k.a. human-like body, but there is one controversial hypothesis that suggests it could have been possible if certain dinosaurs had continued to evolve. Paleontologist Dale Russell hypothesized that if the brain of a specific Cretaceous theropod dinosaur had continued to grow in proportion to its body, then evolutionary changes would have been necessary to accommodate the new cranial mass. One of these changes would have been a more upright stance, since the, quote, tendency to position the head more directly over the vertebral column is seen in anthropoids of increasing brain size. 
This would conceivably lead to more anthropomorphic legs, longer arms, and most dramatically, a human-like head. If a theropod such as this did survive to the modern day, then it would literally fit the description of the lizard man. But of course, this could only happen if the species survived undetected to modern times and evolved as such. Some people believe there is a race of reptilian people that live in cave systems below the surface of the Earth. This controversial speculation could provide an explanation for sightings of a reptilian humanoid if they were to occasionally come to the surface. Wildlife experts, on the other hand, tended to dismiss the Lizardman sightings as mistaken identity, such as a bear, but the witnesses' descriptions simply don't support this. The Lizardman was said to be thinner and more anthropomorphic than a bear, and had the ability to move quickly and skillfully on two legs. Bears simply don't do that. Some of the locals threw out the ubiquitous circus train wreck theory that's supposed to explain away cases like these, but I don't recall seeing any lizard men at circuses I've ever attended, aside from perhaps a sideshow where the so-called lizard man was simply a human. I know of the performer Eric Sprague who bills himself as the lizard man, and I assure you he was not hanging around Bishopville in the summer of 1988. As with most of these cryptids, people have come forward over the years claiming it was a hoax and that they were the ones responsible. One individual claimed he was out in Skateboard Swamp the night Chris Davis had the flat tire. He just happened to have a monster mask, so he put it on and chased the teenager. Now, even if we believe this guy was out there at night in a deserted, swampy area waiting for someone to stop, this doesn't account for all the other sightings. Was he roaming around Bishopville for five years wearing a hokey costume? It just doesn't sound likely. Rumors that the lizard man was actually a local farmer, Lucius Elmore, have always circulated around the case. Elmore had a shed located on his butterbean farm near the area where Chris Davis stopped that night. According to the rumors, Elmore donned a burlap sack and tried to scare the young man away because he had been having a problem with kids stealing the air conditioner units from the shed. The problem here is that even if he had fooled Davis, he would have had to fool at least 11 other witnesses over a span of more than five years in order to earn the title of Lizard Man. Pulling off a hoax like this would have required the help of multiple individuals working over the span of several years, which seems highly unlikely. There is, however, one incident outside of the eyewitness accounts that is unquestionably a hoax. The famous three-toed tracks discovered by the police on July 24, 1988. When I examined the track castings of this footprint while in Bishopville, my first impression was that it could not have been made by a real animal. The track is just too oddly constructed and almost too monstrously perfect, so to speak. The two pads that make up the body of the foot are very well defined, with the front pad being nearly identical to the rear pad. The precise definition does not ring true with typical animal tracks. When the sole of the foot, made up of flesh, bone, and fat, impacts the soil, very rarely does this result in such a well-defined, 90-degree shapes as we see in this case. 
The fact that the rear pad is as large as the front pad is also a red flag. In typical foot anatomy, whether the subject is bipedal or quadrupedal, the heel of the foot is generally smaller than the forefront. The evidence shown in the Bishopville track casting not only opposes logical anatomy, but it also appears to have been manufactured using the very same oval object to create both the front and rear pads. The toe formation likewise poses problems. The lengthy, finger-like extrusions seem altogether unnatural and manufactured. They are all the same size and shape, suggesting that the same object was used to create each one. All of these factors undoubtedly came to the attention of the wildlife officers who initially examined the tracks and concluded that they could not have been made by a real animal. What do the fake tracks do for our overall lizard man case? It certainly doesn't bode well for any case when there is hoaxing involved, but in reality, this particular bit of evidence only served to confuse matters since the footprints are so ridiculous and unnatural. The tracks merely illustrate a weak attempt at a hoax that might have fooled a few people in the moment, but do not stand up to the ample eyewitness accounts that firmly suggest something truly unexplainable once visited Bishopville. So what was the Lizard Man? Could it have been a bizarre, undocumented creature stalking the wilds of Skapor Swamp during that time? Could it have been a visitor from another planet, or one from deep within our own? Or was it a confluence of mistaken identities or uncanny mass hallucination? No matter what it was or is, the Lizard Man undoubtedly exists. He's an artifact of the witness statements, the police files, the news reports, and the media sensation, all of which have formed a legend that will never die. Bishopville will never again be an anonymous little town in the quaint countryside of South Carolina. It will always be the place where people once saw the Lizard Man. Just do an internet search for Bishopville or Skateboard Swamp, and it's evident that whether or not this creature is ever captured, its legacy will forever be stamped in the annals of American monsters. Bishopville is, and will always be, one of those little pockets in the civilized world where mysteries are alive and well. Sheriff Truesdale once remarked that People are always going to wonder about the Lizard Man. And I believe he's right. We have an innate need to reach into the shadows so that we may learn more about this strange world in which we inhabit, and perhaps learn more about ourselves in the process. We may never find all the answers we seek, but it's a quest that some of us cannot resist. The Lizard Man may yet be lurking in that South Carolina swamp where mysteries are as deep as the mire in the darkest reaches of Monstro Bizarro.
For more information, visit lyleblackburn.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Hero.co.